0: Your word and thank you for the opportunity to stand before you and to sit at your feet to hear your word, Lord. We want to um, just encourage ourselves in you. We want to learn. We want to understand. We want revelation and power that comes through your word. So we thank you for this deposit in our hearts. And in our hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. So, um, the Lord told me to tell you to expect more. Amen. Expect more. Expect more. More, 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 more. So, what do we mean when we say expect more? Well, we've been ministering out of Amos 9.13 for, what, at least a couple years now. And uh, maybe three. No, I'm not sure. But uh, it's been a wonderful uh, revelation uh, for me personally because it changed my expectation. Um, <clears throat> I think it's good to live in a daily expectation of good. Amen. So often we think... Something's going to take a long time because it hasn't happened yet. We put our own mental time limit on it or put a a mental appointment on certain things. Uh, We kind of tend to program our souls to expect things, and it's not always according to what the Word says that we should. You got me? So sometimes if if something is taking a bit of time or taking time or hasn't happened yet, we'll tend to put it on the back burner of life. And so what does that do, though, to your everyday experience? It dampens your expectation. In fact, it, it has you living some days in discouragement because there's very little or no expectation in your heart. And if you are a justified person, the Bible says you live by faith. So there should always be, faith always expects. Amen. Faith is expectation. Amen. And it's evidence of expectation. It puts a, a rush on hope. Faith does. You got me? Faith is now... Hope is a thing. It's something. Hope is attached to something. You either hope for a, a good outcome of a test. You hope for a, a completing a college course. You hope for this is something that you set your sights on. And so it's always related to something that you're seeking. Something out in the future. But it's got to be brought into the now at some point, And that's what faith does. So it puts kind of a rush on your hope. It's not way out in the future sometimes. And one day you'll go, you know, this thing really is going to happen. That's when your faith is the faith of God. You have to believe it will come to pass. You just can't be uh, praying for something with no expectation of fulfillment there. Your faith gives the expectation of fulfillment. It gives its substance. It gives it tangibility. It gives it more of a reality than just hoping. We can all sit and wish for everything. But if we don't have a, a faith to add to it and we don't have a plan from God for it coming for real, it's just out there. And it never has the opportunity to get into the material realm Because there's no faith and expectation. So faith always brings expectation with it. And you expect good. You expect to see uh, disease flee or symptoms uh, disappear. You expect to see uh, things get better in your financial realm. You expect to see... Family remem- uh, relationships be mended You expect to see loved ones uh, saved and, mm-hmm. and come into the... You expect to see all these things Amen And so when, when the expectation of good is there Faith is there Then God can move God cannot move If there's no faith expectation Down here on earth Amen We are his connection to the earth and we must always have our expectation out there so God can do good, not just for us, but for others as well. And so we always want to have that expectation of good so that God has something to, to zero in and move on. Uh, and the faith from the earth must be there. He has to have a representative down here to believe. So that he can move on our behalf. If there's no expectation, then there's a, a just a stillness. There's no progress. There's no, no open door for God to bring anything to us. Now, God is a sovereign God, but once he gives an assignment, the, the, the um, method by which that, that thing happens is already set. And set in motion already So if God makes an assignment you say for instance When Jesus had to feed The multitudes of people Now God could have materialized Food out of nowhere But he did it the way he did it Number one It has to be legal God has to have faith On the earth So that he can come And fill that thing And fulfill the need down here. If God just responded to needs, there would be nobody broke, nobody hungry. he just look down and see, oh, my children need this. But for him to be able to do it legally, it has to be done by faith. Right? That's why it's not good to just wait on things and think God has to do it because he said he would. Whether you believe or not Or whether you're holding on or not Or whether you're still obedient to God or not Just thinking it's up to Him To get everything to us So God had to have an offering And a prayer That He could work on He had to have faith that He could work on To feed all those people So that's why Jesus asked What did somebody down here have That's always the question For when we need things the prophet asked the widow, What do you have in your house? There must be an offering of faith up to God. Somebody has to trust Him with something in order for Him to respond. And so it's not that God needs anything. That is a law of the Spirit. It's a law of faith. Amen? We, we have to apply faith, and faith is always an action. It's not just words. Its words with a corresponding action So Jesus prayed And and thanked the Father For for, uh, hearing him And thanked the Father for, uh, uh, For that provision that was there Blessed it Gave thanks for it And then it multiplied And so this is the principle of faith We must believe God You can't If not believing him Got us kicked out of the garden Then believing him must reinstate us So it's always got that stipulation. When Jesus, when people would come up to him with obvious ailments, he'd say, what can I do for you? It's not that he didn't know their need. They had to express their faith in him in order for him to legally move and help them. And if you read and you meditate and you study these things out, you'll see somewhere in that story faith was expressed. Mm -hmm. It, It never happens without it. And so if we think we can skip over studying our Bible, meditating on the Word, and then confessing the Word back to God and keeping it in our hearts and thanking Him regularly for what He's going to do, you can't skip that step. That's why we get angry sometimes, because things haven't happened. If your heart's full of faith, you know it's going to happen. You're not mad about anything. You're not discouraged about anything, or you shouldn't be. Your faith is is what carries you through this life. You're a justified person. If you live by faith, without faith, you'll die on the vine. You'll be a walking dead person again, with no life, no energy, no enthusiasm, no desire for anything, because you've given up. Because you're not using your faith. And so faith is full of expectation. God wants us to expect more. So that means we've got to be more filled with him. More filled with the word. More filled with godly desire. More filled with all of the things of the spirit. In order for God to move down here the way he wants to move down here. And what do we, we, our expectation has to be for the things that are on God's heart at the time. Now we know that God will take care of us. If we don't know that by now, we won't know anything. Every time our backs had been up against the wall, who came through for us? God did. Every time it looked like we were threatening to lose everything, who came through for us? Again, God did. Every time it looked like we didn't have any money, we began to cry out to God, and then all of a sudden something shows up from somewhere, or we realize we didn't need that all along. Uh, all we needed was to connect with God and disconnect from our troubles and in thinking about our troubles all the time. so God has designed for us to live a carefree life and an abundant life amen a more abundant life now Amos nine thirteen lets us know that there's going to come a supernatural harvesting. Of the earth and things that are of the earth. Now he talks about in this uh, things that we plant, vineyards, vegetables in our gardens, all of those things. But also, what else does the earth yield? What else is formed from the earth? Humanity. People. Amen? People. So if the earth is yielding that means that the earth is yielding souls as well. Amen. Amen. So every place that we see harvest in the word think souls now instead of just natural things. Because I think we we really understand and we know we can't take anything with us. There's only so much interest. We should be showing in material things, and natural things. And there is coming a season now where the bride of Christ is going to have to trade in her filthy garments. Whatever it is that God calls filthy is filthy. Whatever he calls holy is holy. Filthy garments might be your, your wealth might be your big house might be your airplane might be your you understand what I'm saying it's it's like uh, Abraham had to kill Isaac things God gave you because he loved you and he blessed you with it you know you have to put them to the sword and this will be a testing of his people again to see where their hearts are and, and he loved Isaac. And don't say God's going to tell me to give away my airplane that I raised so much money for and then go give it right back to me again like he did Isaac. That may go bye bye. You got me forever. Because God has another plan and a different way of doing things. Amen? And we have to accept these things. Now, I don't begrudge anybody for what they possess so that they can preach the gospel. But if you think about it, with technology, you can be in a billion different places at one time. I mean, many of the um, um, missionaries, their, their program, missionary programs, include making sure there's a, um, a receiver, like a cell phone or a tablet, In almost every village, because they found out there's Wi-Fi available. Everywhere. All over the world. In places where they don't have a landing strip for an airplane, they get Wi-Fi. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes the technology and the method was good in its season, but now there's a new season coming where that's not going to be the way it's done anymore. Amen. If you ever believed that God was everywhere at one time, you're going to have to believe it in the age of greater technology. Think about all the young people that don't pay for cable television. Their, their generation is totally sold out on, we don't have to sit in front of that anymore. We can take what we want to take with us, and that they can select what they want to watch. So that's got advertisers nervous. It's got cable people nervous. Satellite people nervous. Why? Because they have yet to figure out how to tap into people who are like 30 and under. And for people who are, are coming up in that next generation, they are not going to be tied to a, a physical way of watching anything anymore. It's all going to be portable. And if it's going to be portable How's the church going to fit in with that? We're still buying time on cable. We need to be finding out how to get on Roku or Fire Stick or whatever. It is that people are choosing to have now and figure out how to interrupt some of their normal programming that they like with the gospel. Got me? And so it's going to take a master plan and God has that for people who really want to tap into that I was speaking with some people that I know who have always been um, they're Christians in in broadcasting um, uh, um, their sermons and the sermons of other ministries and so forth they are very much sign and wonder and miracle people and um, those are the people that The devil fights the hardest to get their message out there. But they have been, (coughs) they've both been kind of challenged with health and then a traffic accident. And so I just told them, I said, well, we'll pray for you. I said, you're not going to have any more accidents. You're not going to have any more health problems said, because God has called an end to that, you know, and, and so we're going to stand on that and you go forward and do what God told you to do. But they've had some people who have um, had money for them underwriting them and getting uh, what's comparable to, uh, uh, say, like a, a Roku or something like that that's portable where people can just get that device on their their phone or their tablet, and they can log in, and they are planning to have 24-7 gospel, signs, wonders, miracles, and preaching salvation, things like that. Amen. And so there are people who are visionary in this with God who are expecting to do more for God, but do it in a way that, uh, say, for instance, the enemy can't, Uh, you know, lock you out because of finances and can't lock you out because... You can't physically go to all these places. And uh, we were thinking, I said, well, to be honest with you, I said, you don't have to be in the best of anything to get in front of your little phone camera and, and pro- project what your message is out there. I said, but you do have to devise ways to get it to more people. That's where, and that's where God has to come in and help us with those plans. And so they are expecting more. They are expecting still for this thing to take off for them. Their name is Tackett so if you when you get in your prayer and you start praying about um, you know lost souls or, or um, uh, uh, you know the fivefold ministry gift or something like that, remember to pray for them that they would get those open doors uh, for the gospel. They've had money and everything in place. The only thing that's been uh, gone wrong is their health to the unknown. But it's coming back. And so God still wants this done. Amen. He still wants it done. So he's restoring his bride. And he's restoring our desire for the work of the ministry. Amen. For the pure gospel. Amen. One of the things that's hindered is the one accord in one place thing. He's got to get his people on one accord. And sometimes one accord just means following the person in charge. You ever think about that? And not that hard to do. Just find a person that God has told you to connect to and find out what you need to do to do your part in that. That's what they did in the early church. Now we've got, we've always had this infighting, if I'm the chief apostle here, and those people never last long. I've never seen it fail where they just... You know, fall by the wayside. Nobody listens to them. God obscures their voice, so you know they go somewhere and sit down and shut up, and and you know find out. I mean, it's a good thing to do sometimes. You don't have anything to say, and you know it. It's best not to say anything because uh, you might mess up what God's doing. And so, <clears throat> it's always good to to understand your place, but sometimes your place is just follow the leader. I mean, that's not bad to do. You don't have to have any wonderful ideas. You don't have to have. All you've got to do is be there where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there and let God use you in, in the capacity that, that he's called you to. And, and do that. And You don't have to do anything else. And so God has put us in a place of expectation. We say the expectancy is coming from the earth, and the earth includes souls. Amen. Is always included in everything that God talks about. So, in Isaiah 54, if you'll turn there, 54:1, um, this is a wonderful example of how God wants to bring new life expectancy. And bring a great thing even into uh, a more mature or an older life. I'll put it that way. So, uh, to me, this speaks of the end time church. Because it talks about a woman who has been barren and ashamed. And I think if there's anything the church has been on the earth is ashamed. You know, we've been put down maligned, persecuted, talked about... Uh, we are haters we hate gays we hate this we hate that we hate everybody uh, we're no good uh, you know and then when somebody in the body of Christ makes a mistake it's broadcast everywhere so we're told that we're not even holy people uh, we're we're been maligned and forsaken and so 54:1 says sing o barren you that did not bear break forth in this singing and cry aloud you that did not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Married wife refers to the religious church. It's got all the people. It's got all the big numbers. Amen. So the married wife gets chosen over the one that's forsaken. Amen. So we saw the picture of that with uh, Jacob and his two wives and women servants and concubines. Amen. Uh, He loved uh, um, uh, Leah. Let me think, who was he married? Jacob and Leah. That was the one he wanted. Who married? Yeah. Rachel, I'm sorry, Rachel was the one he loved, Leah was the one he wound up getting first and all that. So Leah had all the kids and then she was having her servants have children for him. And Rachel was the one who was loved but overlooked for many, many years. And then she finally gave birth. Her offspring, one of them, the the baby Benjamin, um, they were standout, both of them, Benjamin and uh, Joseph. But Joseph was... The chosen one. We all know that. And so from him came all the offspring of Israel and Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. And really the, the father of the church, we could say that. And so he says here, many more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord, enlarge the place of your tent. And let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. In other words, build a bigger house. Spare not, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. For you shall break forth on the right hand and on the left. And your seed shall inherit the Gentiles. Now that's definitely talking about soul winning. When it talks about inheriting the Gentiles, those are people who will be converted to Christianity and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. We're talking about places that used to, where people used to live in drought, famine, something, uh, something uh, beyond human control caused that to reverse and people left. Like the body of Christ. People, people are still leaving church. They don't want anything to do with it. Even people who are, are connected with good churches or, or churches that are really about the Lord's work, it's it's a phenomenon that was forecast in the Bible. There would be a great falling away. And people are still falling away for different reasons. A lot of people don't like structure, don't like commitment. They've been allowed to live their lives without much... Commitment or supervision or accountability. Look at all the people who are single who have children. Raising children, never been married. So society has allowed this to happen. You know, at one time we used to look down upon it and that helped people to live the right way. Now we're not allowed to judge whether even when we see the fruit is bad and it's obvious to us. That that's a wrong situation for humanity to be in. We're not allowed to say anything about it. Or we suffer the wrath of accusation. So you can see the devil's involved. Anytime there's accusation when you speak up about something, that's the devil involved in that. Don't ever think, don't pay any attention to the accusation. You know, sometimes you can agree with Ray, yeah, I hate you, so what? What are you going to do about it? You're going to put me in jail? You understand what I'm saying? You just have to learn how not to let that settle in on you and then start to motivate your words or motivate your actions. Or, or, uh, you know, what they want to do is get you to compromise by putting you to shame because you can't, you're not allowed to think, it's not right to think like that. See what I'm saying? And so even as Christians, we don't do that to one another. We can see people, Christians, who are in sin. And unless God really gives you a word to confront them and set them free, we don't just go around telling people, don't do this, don't do that. You understand what I'm saying? And so there is a place where it's out and out accusation and it's not ministry. There are times where you can go to a brother and allow him to confess his fault and pray for him, that's ministry. But when you point your finger and say you're this, you're that, and you're the other because you don't think like I think, that's accusation. And so the world has fallen victim to that because the world has lost what they call a moral compass. They don't, see, like if you say that to a believer, somebody who's really solid in God, they care less what you call them. You because know, they know who they are. But you've got a ton of people out there who've never been in a church, have been told all their lives that the church is evil and it's wrong and you don't want to go there, they won't accept you, this is just and, and there are they are void of any kind of understanding of right and wrong. They think right and wrong is whatever somebody tells them on television. So they wait for the next news program to tell them what's right and what's wrong. See what I'm saying? We've been doing that to people for years. It's worse than what the communists did in Russia when they first took over there. You know, they rewrote history. We've been doing that. Columbus is is a a hater. You know, we want to get rid of Columbus Day. Amen. So uh, I see now where the Italian-Americans are rising up and fighting back. He ain't taking Columbus away. <laughs> we break a you face. Amen. And <laughs> Amen. All this crazy stuff of, you know, the America is such a bad country. And look at what we did here and we did there. And all that kind of stuff. But God still approves of us. Amen. Our sins are forgiven. Our collective sins and our individual sins are very much forgiven. So we've got to, don't fall victim to that liberal mentality, you know. Um, you don't have to explain what you think to anybody or how you feel. It's, it's your business between you and God. And uh, you, you're, you're the accuser of the brethren is cast down in your life. Your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And so we don't have to give in to that foolishness. So the Lord tells us we're going to break forth on the right and on the left and your seed shall inherit the Gentiles. That means your children are going to begin to win souls as well. Amen? It'll go on for generations. All uh, desolate cities will be inhabited. Fear not for you shall not be ashamed. Neither be confounded or, or confused as to what happened In your life. Amen. For you shall not be put to shame. He says it twice. You shall forget the shame of your youth. And shall not remember the reproach of widowhood anymore. So the shame of your youth. That season in your life as a Christian where you made a lot of mistakes. And many times as you mature... You think God is holding those mistakes against you. You got me? Well, God, I, I should have, you know, spent more time in the Word with my kids and they wouldn't be here. Nah, forget it. God says you will forget that. It will be a whole new day for you. Amen. Sometimes people wish they could have gotten married sooner. You know, I see couples that get married late in life and it's wonderful because they finally found somebody they care about. And love, but they have a difficult time bearing children, got me and so it's it becomes a reproach to them. sometimes anything you think you're supposed to have that you don't get, you think you, you you feel bad about it like you got something to be ashamed of. And God says, "Put that away. you got me there's no shame for you, amen. You don't have to measure your life by what everybody has to be happy. Measure your life by what I'm doing in your life. And only God can erase that and make you forget about that. He says, you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. When it says reproach of widowhood, many times widows were impoverished, embarrassed, had to beg, had to go live with other family members. They were like the the drag on the family because you know so and so's you know she's by herself. We can't leave her in home by herself. You know that kind of stuff. And so he, there's a reproach there because you're dependent to a degree on others. You got me who are strong and able to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Amen. And so there's a reproach there, and God says you're not gonna remember that anymore. No shame in this righteousness game. No more embarrassment. No more reproach for anybody. Why? Because your maker is your husband. Amen? The one who made you, speaks for you, stands up for you, upholds you, helps you. We're all going to be in a position where we feel we're out of, out of the loop or we don't have what everybody else has and all this kind of nonsense. There's no reason to feel bad about it because God has redeemed you from all reproach. Amen. And so when, when, when God starts to energize the bride, the only thing that's going to be important is are you winning souls for him? That's all. And that's going to put us all on a par. So when God, and that's how he takes away the reproach in our lives. We're not living off of what we would accumulate in the natural. We're living off the things of the spirit. And in the spirit, all of his people have the same value. We're capable of the same things. And the things of the natural life start to have less and less importance. And the things of the spiritual life come to the forefront. So your maker's your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. He fights for you. Your redeemer. He purchased you. He's the holy one of Israel. And he's the God of the whole earth. So who do you who would you rather have on your side? Him or all the detractors and all the people who uh, you know wanna put shame on you. Amen. <clears throat> for the Lord has called you as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. And a wife of youth when she was refused, saith the Lord. So God calls you to help you to come out of the reproach of whatever your natural life brought to you. A redeemer does that. He purchases you and puts you into a totally new life. So all that stuff that we thought was so important in life means nada, nothing, no mo. Amen. Does not mean a thing. For a small moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercy I will gather you. In a little wrath I hid my face from you. For a moment, but with everlasting kindness. See his kindness and mercy overshadow his anger. Always greater. His mercy's always greater. For this is as the waters of Noah to me. He says, I swore back then that the waters should no more go over the earth. So have I sworn I will not be angry with you or rebuke you. So God is on your side. Huh? He is totally on your side. Don't have any more doubt about it. For the mountains shall depart, the hills be removed, but my kindness shall never depart from you, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that has mercy on you. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest and not comforted. Some things in your life are without comfort. God says, Behold, I will lay your stones with fair colors and lay the foundations with sapphires. This is the adorning of the bride. In other words, you'll be arrayed so gloriously as far as your spirit man is concerned, as far as your ability in the spirit is concerned, your knowledge of the things of the spirit are concerned. These are jewels in your life. These are everlasting stones, and there's nothing of greater value. So God is saying, I'm going to adorn you now with things that are eternally valuable. The stuff that you thought was so important going through life is not going to mean a thing. And he says, I will make windows of agate and gates of carbuncles and all the borders of pleasant stones. In other words, you're going to be arrayed gloriously and beautifully. And all your children shall be taught of the Lord not talking about natural only, but great shall be the peace of your children, some of spiritual fruit. In righteousness shall you be established. you shall be far from oppression. For you shall not fear from terror, it will not come near you. Being afraid, oh God, I'll never get this, I'll never get the end of my life. Oh no, honey, you get a new life here. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. In other words, God says, I'm not bringing trouble into your life. It's not. He said, the devil's people may gather together against you. The devil may be arrayed with accusation against you, but I'm not causing that to happen to you. They're not following my instructions. Amen. So you're not being punished. For anything that you did, you're not your sins aren't so great that they can't be taken care of, amen. No regrets, whatever you did, you were on time doing it, amen. Sometimes, you know, the older you get, the more of your life has gone by. You look back, ah, I wasted time here, and I should have been doing this there, and I ah, forget about it, amen. Forget about it. God says, uh, whatever it is. That didn't come through my hand. That wasn't my doing for your life. And I'm here now to help you and to make up for it. You're not going to do that. He says, devils may gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather against you shall fall for your sake. He's not holding things against us. We didn't waste a lot of time doing things that we weren't supposed to be doing and should have been over here doing this. You got me? It it wasn't a waste. Many times people... And people who, who do a lot of things, accumulate a lot in the natural, could look back and say, well, I should have been doing spiritual things while I was over here trying to get this together. You got me? So God says, all of this stuff that's gathering together against you didn't come by me. Amen. I have a new plan and a new idea for you. And he says, behold, I created the destroyer. I created the smith that blows the coals and brings fire, brings forth an instrument for his work, and I've created the waster to destroy. He said, no weapon that's ever formed against you is going to, even the ones in your own head where you want to mess your own self up with guilt and fear and not knowing what your future is and being afraid of everything that's coming, he said uh, none of them weapons will prosper. They're not going to accomplish what they set out to do. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, see all the accuser of the brethren, you're a homophobe, you're a racist, you're a this, you're that. You know, if people realize how crazy they look pointing the finger at everybody. You know, they've got about three things they accuse. People who are trying to hold on to some morality and trying to hold on to some kind of normalcy of life. If if you are are a Christian, you're a racist or a hom you're definitely a homophobe if you're a Christian. So so really, what the Lord is saying here is that every time somebody accuses you of that, they get condemned. So let them keep doing it, and let them heap condemnation upon themselves. Amen. At the right time, God will come and offer them the the lifeline. You know, offer them salvation so they can come out of condemnation. This is your inheritance as long as you serve the Lord. Now you mess up and get over there and quit serving God, it's a different story. I wouldn't even try that. You got it? Don't, Don't bank on things going well for you if you walk away from serving God. But if you stay humble and you stay in your place and you continue to serve God, then you have an inheritance that every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, it will be found to be in the wrong. Amen. You'll condemn that tongue. It won't be able to talk against you. What it's saying will not stick to you. It won't bear fruit. It won't reach the throne room of heaven. It won't even ever be judged against you. Because your righteousness is of God. You're not trying to do everything right and be the best person. But you're not taking his grace and his mercy for granted either. You're living the best way you can humbly before God. And God will come and vindicate all of his servants. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment. The condemnation that's coming on the news media in this nation is going to be unbelievable. When it hits, it's going to hit hard. And it's going to hit them all at one time. You got me? Right now, God's given a mercy to turn around. See? Uh, I was watching, um, I think it, well, it was clips. I don't watch shows because I can't. But if I find something that I've heard that, that sounds interesting to me, I'll investigate it. And I saw where uh, Kathy Lee Gifford was on uh, with Megan Kelly on that little t- this morning show or today or whatever she's on. And she shared Christ. They they asked her. They found out she was a personal friend of Billy Graham's. And this was the day after he passed away. So of course they get their little people out there. And yeah, oh, we got somebody we can call. Come in and see if you. And she works for the station. I guess she's on one of their shows too. And so she came over to share. And she shared the total gospel from beginning to end. She. You could see her pleading with people. She said, God loves you. She said, this is not about religion. She said, this is relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. You got me? And so I look at these situations where she comes into that cesspool that they call you know televised television it's all political now it's all demonic now and so she comes god allows her an open door to come into that venue to share christ that may be some people's last opportunity to say yes to god you got me and so he'll raise up whomever he wants to raise up to wave that that you know bait of mercy and there's some mercy for you. Now listen to this, and it will continue to ring in your ears, uh, that, that God has prophetic people out here to prophesy and declare the word of the Lord to a perverse and, and uh, you know, faithless generation, a generation who is on their way out of here to hell if they don't repent and turn around. And receive Christ, and so we're going to see little drops of water like that offered to unrighteous people. We're going to see the the uh, uh, lifeline of salvation offered to people like that. So don't don't be judgmental. Don't be afraid. Let him use Kathy Lee. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, she, she's she been back and forth and made mistakes and admits it. And you know how a lot of Hollywood people are. They hold on to God a little bit. But but God can draft anybody into his army that he wants to draft. And he knows where he's going to use these people. And so let him use whom he wants to use. If they're not against us, baby, they are for us. You got me? So as long as they're exalting the Lord, let's let them exalt the Lord. And keep it moving. So Isaiah 54 comes after Isaiah 53, right? Uh Uh-huh. What's in Isaiah 53? It's a story of redemption. Amen. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Isaiah 53.1. He shall grow up before us as a tender plant. And it's talking about the Messiah. He has no form or comeliness that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was stricken and smitten for us, though, folks. So the story of salvation is in Isaiah 53. Why would God start talking about material things in 54? Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, enlarge the borders of your tent. We always take that to mean material blessings. Huh? Expect more. Expect more what? Responses to 53. We need to expect more people to respond to Isaiah 53 by lengthening our cords, strengthening our stakes, start getting rid of stuff that need your attention to take care of it. Simplify your life. Focus on expecting more from God. Expecting more spiritual opportunity. Expecting more opportunity for soul winning. Expecting more opportunity for sharing Christ. Expect more, expect more, expect more. If you expect more, God will deliver. The problem he has in the earth is getting people to expect with him. So we need to be working with God, not trying to devise something on our own or some slick new way of getting more people into church. You got me? But expect with God that we can enlarge the borders of our tents, that we will lengthen our cords, strengthen our stakes, get ready to reproduce. Get ready. Instead of getting ready for more junk that we can't take with us, Get ready for the things that have eternal value to God. Get ready to help some people come out of hell and help some people live a better life. They need to be able to live like we live, at least in a little bit. All these young people who are hooked on drugs, everybody wants to blame somebody. Blame does not get them out of trouble. We have what will get them out of trouble. And we need to get... get, Face-to-face with God and start to receive that vision. See ourselves doing exactly what God sees us doing. Amen. So expect more. Expect to be able to make an impact with people every day. God, I don't feel good today. I haven't shared you with anybody. I haven't talked to anybody about you. Huh? When you go out and go shopping, expect to be able to share Christ with somebody. When you, uh, you know, just driving, going to the gas station or anything like that. Have expectation in your heart that God will will fill your mouth with words. He will fill it with words. I was in the supermarket last night and there was a woman there. And, uh, she was working back in the back. Where the meat is. And and so I walked past her a couple times. And I felt like God might want me to pray with her. And so uh, she went. um, I went past and then came back. And I said, well, Lord, if if she's still there and nobody's there. When she's there, I'll go up to her. So I did. It happened and nobody was there. So I went up to her. I said, is this how you feel? She looked at me. and said, "I feel wonderful." I said, "You do." And she, I said, I said, "You know what?" I said, "I felt like you might need prayer. That's why I came back." And she started. You could see her faith start to take her to a different place than she was the first time that I came by there. And so I said, "God's got you." She said, "Yes, He does." And she kept doing her little <laughs> work, and you know. But if it's just to remind somebody. That God's there for them and start. Yielding to that spirit That takes care of them all the time You got me Because the first thing that went through my thought Was you know this lady's working In these coolers All this ice She's over where seafood is There's tons of ice in there And she was coughing I was like God I'm buying that flu You know don't let her get sick And so she must have felt bad at that time But then God kicked in And reminded her She's healed You got me And so those are things that, you know, and I'm not there to touch anybody and let them hit the floor. You understand what I'm saying? Just do what God wants you to do. You don't have to be fabulous and spectacular or anything like that. Because that's God's power to do what he wants to do with it. And so just getting her over into the spirit of faith was what God wanted for her. You got me? Some people know God. Some people aren't connected in a way where they can get in there in the Spirit. And so whatever God has you do, that's what's necessary. Amen. Don't have any kind of agenda or anything in mind. Just obey God. And Just obey Him. And that, that works tremendously. So, um, <clears throat> let me see where we want to go. Isaiah 49. Let me go there for a minute. Brother E, how much time do we have? How many? 30? Okay. Isaiah 49. I'm going to start in verse... 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing. Same thing. Mm. O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. That's us, folks. He's always there to comfort us, always there to give us mercy. Why? we got work to do. Now, we can't sit and moan and whine about everything forever. God says, well, stop it. I'm here to comfort you. You know, if if that's not enough, you know, I don't know what you need, but I got it. You got me? And stop the nonsense. You know, people down here still looking for their millions. If you don't have them by now, you don't need them. Somebody else promised that to you. Because if God promised it to you, trust me, he'd have delivered by now if he meant you to have it. So let's cut it out. And he said... <laughs> He says, where is that, 13? He says, I'll have mercy upon my afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Well, that's the way God feels about us. Huh? He feels that way about us. Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget you. Amen. Behold, I have tattooed you or engraved you upon the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your children shall make haste. The destroyers and they that made thee way shall go forth from you. Lift up your eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to you, as I live, says the Lord. You shall surely clothe, I, I shall surely clothe you with them all, as with an ornament, and bind them on you as a bride does. So he says that all of those, the destroyers, all of those people, you're going to wear them like a garment. huh? They're going to come to you and be there at your disposal. Amen. And he says, For your waste and your desolate places and the land of your destruction shall even now be too narrow by reason of the inhabitants, and they that swallowed you up shall be far away. Amen. So all those problems that you thought were so deep and so insurmountable, Amen. They'll be far away from you. The children which you shall have after you have lost the other. Hmm? This is somebody who's really suffered. Amen. The children that you shall have after you have lost the other shall say again in your ears, The place is too straight for me. Give place to me that I may dwell. So here we go with expansion again. Then shall you say in your heart, Who has begotten me these? Seeing I have lost my children, and am desolate, a captive, and removing to and fro, and who has brought up these, behold, I was left alone. These, where had they been? Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles, and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders." And kings shall be your nursing fathers, men, same thing in Isaiah 60, and their queens thy nursing mothers, they shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth, and lick up the dust of your feet, and you shall know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. So, many of the problems that we have with being anxious for things and I should have had this, and I was. Why is it taking so long for us to to get blessed, and why is it taking so long for me to get this? And God said, "You're not going to remember that. When I get finished blessing you, you're going to be so blessed. These little petty things that you thought had coming to you will not mean anything." Amen. He says, <coughs> for verse twenty four shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the lawful give captive deliver or the lawful captive delivered but thus says the lord even your captives of the mighty shall be taken away so those people the cnn's and the msnbcs and all everything that they're holding those people that they have indoctrinated to believe that good is evil and evil is good they shall be taken away from them They're not going to be able to hold on to people with lies. you just got to believe that. He says, And the prey of the terrible shall be delivered, for I will contend with him that contends with you. And I will save your children. And I will feed them that oppress you with their own flesh. Got me? And they shall be drunken with their own blood as with sweet wine and all flesh shall know that I the Lord am your savior and your redeemer the mighty one of Jacob amen so god is planning not just salvation for the heathen but retribution for those people who because they're standing against god i mean when you when you start lying on people and trying to take the government from we the people you're standing against God. People don't really think this means anything, but we, we claim one nation under God. We know that the founding fathers were mostly Christians, and they, they proposed. They, God sent them people here to this country, folks. This was a place for, for none but prisoners to come. They would say, oh, you're going to the Americas. It was always, uh, you know, Devil's Island or something off Florida and all those places, those older places where those were all penal colonies for the bad people. People who were banished from Europe were sent over here. Then all of a sudden God sends a bunch of Christians over here. What's up with that? And this nation has remained here and everybody wants to come here. They claim to hate our guts, but everybody can't beat getting over here, you know? And so we, we, we have to understand that there's a draw to this country, amen? And people who have nothing but criticism for this country, they're going to be found to be in the wrong. You know, God's going to make everybody shut up you know? because he, he hates lies. And he is not going to have anything that he created lied upon. I don't think people understand that. But I think if you're a Christian, you need to find out what God says about this nation and get on board. You need to quit being crazy now and siding with the old, you know, that's the old hippie notion. You know, when the Vietnam War was, was raging. It's, oh, we, were, we hated it. And, and they treated the veterans that came back like dirt. And the government just stood by and let it happen. That never should have happened to those people who just volunteered and fought like they had a choice. They were drafted. You understand me? And so this nation has been upside down for many, many, for decades now. But guess what? God's making it right side up again. Amen. He's making it right side up again. Amen. Amen. So God is going to uh, enlarge his people. Enlarge us. First Chronicles 4.10, I'm sure everybody knows. I don't think you guys were that into it. But the prayer of Jabez. They've made pillowcases and book covers. And nobody ever really knew what it meant, but you know what I'm saying. Now, I don't remember anybody tying it to soul winning. It was always tied to some kind of personal wealth. But anyway, First Chronicles 4, verse 10. Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast borders. Anyway, whatever land was given to him, he asked God for more and that your hand might be with me you would keep me from evil that i may not it may not grieve me and god granted him that which he requested amen and so god is enlarging his bride giving us a greater heart capacity for souls giving us a greater love for souls a greater love for him so that we can go out and work for him and not be uh, um, cast aside Not be uh, thought of as small In our own eyes He is enlarging us And showing us how much he cares about us Through entrusting us With his work down here That's the greatest thing he can do Is entrust us with all that he has Which is his power Amen So we're to expect God to enlarge us Amen Deuteronomy 12 Let's see what that says. I'm not sure if I made notes on it like I wanted to. Deuteronomy 12, did I say? Let's see, verse 20. nineteen: Take heed to yourself that you forsake not the Levite or the priest as long as you live upon the earth. Now, that really means don't forsake the priest that's within you. Don't forget your call to win souls for God. Don't don't forget your call to intercede for others. You know, I see people who have left this ministry. Now they're calling back here begging for prayer. When I say, you need to be here praying for yourself. But they so lost their way... You understand what I'm saying? When you give up, you get in darkness, you know, you'll languish there. And so uh, it makes no sense to me. At once you were the one people called on to pray for them. Now you're on Facebook begging people for prayer and all that stuff. So, so it, it makes no sense. But he says, uh, when, when the Lord your God shall enlarge your border as, as he has promised you, And you shall say, I will eat flesh because your soul longs to eat flesh. You may eat flesh whatsoever your soul lusts after. If the place which the Lord your God has chosen to put his name there be too far from you, then you shall kill the herd of the flock which the Lord has given you as I have commanded you, and you shall eat in the gates whatsoever your soul soul lusts after. So the Lord is saying this, if you take care of your duties... As an intercessor, as a person who prays for the sick, however you do in in the priesthood, God says you can have whatever you want, whatever your soul desires. You are a priest, and as you bring to the Lord, God will take care of you. Remember the Levites when they were, when people would bring their offerings, the Lord would designate. It would be roasted with fire. It would be, you know, the burn the fat that belonged to the Lord. Amen. When they would have holy days and celebrations, they were allowed to eat the fat. Amen. And so the Levites were to consume everything that was offered by the people. So that's how they were fed. That's how they they survived, is through the offerings of the people. It's always been that way. It's always supposed to be that way. Now that we are a priesthood, we support God's work. We support his ministry. And in return, he gives us the desires of our hearts So anybody who knows how to pray and is being obedient to God, you're under authority like you're supposed to be. You should lack for nothing. You got me? You're obeying God's laws. You lack for nothing. You should not be uh, anywhere without provision. See, many times we miss God's instruction. Then we're too proud to go back and ask him to correct us. So we stay out in the land of languishing. Because we don't want to, we don't like backtracking. Somehow people don't want to be wrong. Well, if you're a real Christian, you're wrong pretty much 15 times a day. I mean, if you really believe God, there's so much stuff we don't know. Sometimes we're wrong and think we're right. God lets it work, and then later on, we realize that that was wrong all in years. God, oh Lord. And I went around bragging to people like I know everything. Let me shut my mouth up, Amen. Amen. So we got to get get it together here, Lucy. We got some explaining to do in many things. So, all right, Second Corinthians two, two and verse nine. Oops. Where did I get that from? Second Cor- oh, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians 9. And verse 10. Let me see. Yeah. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food. Multiply your seed stone and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So that's increase in all areas of your life. Amen. In the natural, that He God will minister seed to us to sow, and then we receive food, we receive uh, increase and fruits of righteousness as well. So God definitely intends to increase the harvest of our righteousness. Which means, don't worry about not being able to find people to minister to. God's just trying to get us hungry enough to continue to ask for it. Amen? And when we, that hunger and thirst comes to Him, it definitely will be filled. Everything in the Word speaks of supernatural increase and points to soul winning And an end time harvest of souls into God's kingdom. You see that from beginning to the end of the Bible. I remember when the the faith and prosperity teaching first started. And I I thought to myself, I said, well, okay, God, that's good. But let's get to the real stuff. To be honest, I taught it. It's supposed to be taught. But I got sick of how it was emphasized. Some people got on it and never moved to anything else. And so now you gotta sit and wait for everybody to leave the church because there's just as bored with that mer- message as I am. And then God has to get them hungry for the real thing that He's trying to give them. You know, it, a lot of these things are when people say, "Well, Jesus talked about money more." than No, He didn't. He talked about the kingdom, and it's not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, if you miss that. And all you thought about was money and things. And you're missing something. Talk about those were object lessons. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about something deeper. So you left when the multitude left. You should have hung around with the disciples. And then found out the true meaning of what he was talking about. Just a thought. I don't want to throw no shade at nobody. But if you think about it. And you think about all the people who claim to be disciples and ministry heads, and that's all they think God talked about. There's something wrong there. True disciples go behind with Jesus and find the true meaning of things. Isn't that what his disciples did? Lord, why couldn't we not cast that out? He'd take them aside and go and talk to him and reveal to him the deeper meanings. He said to them, "I speak in parables." Who's the them? He's talking about anybody who takes what he says literally. He says, "Seeing they can see and not understand; hearing they can hear, and in their eyes or their ears are turned deaf, and their heart is wax gross." People who have a carnal message of the gospel—you can't tell them they're missing something. They think they got it all. You understand me? And they never deviate to go into a deeper meaning and be true disciples of the Lord. It's like the Baptist stop with salvation. You can't tell them God wants to heal people and he wants to, to, heal, to use them. Amen? Everybody's stuck somewhere where they think they got the whole thing and they're not true disciples of the Lord. You're a disciple, you're a student, and you're a learner forever. Amen? So, when God does the work, it's eternal. It has eternal value. It's not just material and of this realm. It's eternal. He plans to make His people a praise in the earth for His glory and honor. We are to carry His glory throughout this earth. We are redeemed from the curse for a reason. Man, John fifteen sixteen says that Jesus tells the disciples he desires that we would bear much fruit. If my if you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit, and that fruit would be eternal, not buildings and planes and boats and trains and things. It's eternal things. Now those may be vehicles that he uses to get you there. But when you get there, you better get there the way he wants you to be there. And take more people with you. You got me? That we would bear much fruit and that fruit would remain. People are coming to the Lord. Isaiah 60 is a chapter about nothing but harvest. It's harvest. is not so much material things. There's some of that in there. Only as much as you may need. You'll be so busy working for God, you won't even be able to get excited about anything that you possess outside of what God's doing. His disciples back at the beginning of the church were that way. They sold what they had. They weren't trying to accumulate more. The One couple that tried to cheat on that got carried out feet first. Got me? So they sold what they had. They sowed everything that they possessed into the gospel. Amen? So 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory, not the material things that God gives you, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness is covering the earth, gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise, the Lord himself shall arise upon you, the anointing shall arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see all they gather themselves together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far. Sinners. Daughters shall be nursed at your side. These are adopted, born again people that you bring in. These are your sons and daughters. These are the true uh, children a true family of God. Many of you know that because you got kinfolk that won't speak to you. If you, didn't have, if you didn't have people in the church, you wouldn't have nobody. Come on now. So God says when he's enlarging your family, he ain't talking about natural people. He talking about some people he's bringing to you. Amen. So God is going to bring all of these to you. Amen. As you go into all the earth and preach the gospel, he begins to draw the harvest to you. So I'm telling you, it's time to expect more. So Isaiah 60 is going to have to take, I mean, uh, Amos 9.13 is going to have to take on new meaning for us. Amen. Uh, As we come into line with what God has in mind this whole earth and it'll get clearer and clearer as we begin to give ourselves over more to prayer and understanding and expecting amen expect more amen praise God father thank you for your word and for understanding we thank you lord for blessing us to be able to know what you're doing father I thank you lord that the age of distraction is past That your bride is no longer going to be distracted by the petty things of this earth. And as we dwell in you and we understand you, you're going to bring us forth as great and mighty people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, the Lord is saying that that he's removing distractions from the eyes of his people distractions being the things that pertain to this life, the things that are only pertaining to this earth. And God is releasing a hunger of the Spirit like never before in the heart of His bride, that she would hunger and thirst for more of Him, to do His work, to do His will in the earth. And the great outpouring will be a response to a hunger, not a fullness. Those who are full will fade away. But those who are hungry will emerge and be filled, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So if you're hungry, stay hungry. Get hungrier because God is going to fill that hunger because it's for the right thing. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Anybody need prayer? Come on up. We'll pray for y'all.